0: We were sorry to note at the onset of this program, the passing of Noki Edwards. And although I realize most of you are probably inclined to ask, who's Noki Edwards? Our answer to that is he was the lead guitarist on The Ventures. Of course, we just started off with The Immortal, Walk, Don't Run. There's probably some better guitar music out there, but I don't think I know much about it at least of the rock and roll genre. Mr. Miller and I are both big fans of The Ventures, so I think we're going to use them on all of our intro and outro music for today's program. Evidently, Noki Edwards was not only a great musician, he was also an actor and appeared on television's Deadwood. We are sorry he is gone, but oh, oh what a legacy he has left us. And speaking of leaving us, we are sad to note At the onset of today's program, that Radio Parallax will be taking uh, a bit of a break. That is to say, starting next month in April, we're going to not plan to produce shows on a weekly basis. And we're not sure how that's going to translate into our terrestrial broadcasts on KDVS and KZFR. The management of both stations um, are certainly free to use our materials. And uh, those of you who tune into us on the internet through our website, radioparallax.com, should find some semi-regular programming in the months to come. And uh, we may or may not resume regular broadcasts sometime in the summer. Well, this will depend somewhat upon Mr. Merlin and I's travel plans. Yours truly hopes to visit several foreign locations here in 2018, which just frankly makes it really hard to produce some radio around that. Mr. McMillan's plans are a little less clear, but he does hope that in the months to come, he can still remain one step ahead of Interpol. All right, we have not asked you, dear listener, to contribute to our program as much as we did in the past, which is too bad because we needed you more than ever, I think, in recent months. But we do want to thank several of you who forwarded us the Borowitz report of Tuesday, which I will just quote from directly, reaching the opposite conclusion of, of their committee peers, Republican members of the House Intelligence Committee said on Tuesday that the Japanese did not meddle in the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. After an exhaustive investigation, we've come to the conclusion that there was no attempt by the Imperial Japanese Navy Air Service to influence the outcome of Pearl Harbor, Representative Mike Conway, a Republican of Texas, said. And he suggested the contrary amounts to nothing more or less than a witch hunt. Conway said that while there were Japanese bombers in the vicinity of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, the role in the attack there has been, quote, blown out of proportion, unquote. Is it possible that some of their planes were flying in places they shouldn't have flown and dropping some things they shouldn't have dropped by accident? Conway said, absolutely. Does that prove there was an intent to meddle in Pearl Harbor? Absolutely not. The House Republican praised his fellow GOP committee members for finally putting the controversy of Pearl Harbor to rest. And we like to delve into um, uh, items of history for this program, so we want to thank Sammy for sending us this item. There's apparently a backstory to the tragedy of the Titanic we were unaware of. There's a little-known fact that back in 1912, English condiment manufacturers had placed 12,000 jars of mayonnaise, which were scheduled for delivery in Veracruz, Mexico, which was, in fact, the next port of call for the great ship after its stop in New York. This would have represented the largest single shipment of mayonnaise ever delivered to Mexico. Our understanding is that the condiment had recently found favor south of the border. But of course, as we all know, the great ship never made it to New York. After hitting an iceberg and sinking, the cargo was forever lost. The people of Mexico were evidently somewhat disconsolate about the loss of this favored food product. Their anguish was so great, they declared a national holiday of mourning, which they still observe. To this day. This National Day of Mourning occurs every year on May 5th and is known, of course, as the Cinco de Mayo. And so if you do hear someone referring to it as the Cinco de Mayo, please correct them. And finally, this question was posed to us, well, not to us, but to others, which we will repeat. The question posed is as follows. If, as you say, a car, a knife, and a hammer are as lethal as an AR-15, then why do you need an AR-15 to protect yourself when you already have a car, a knife, and a hammer? I had a hammer, a hammer in the morning, a hammer in the evening, all over this land. I hammer Here's a question that we don't have an answer to here at Radio Parallax, but we figure that of you many thousands who are listening, all of you probably know many thousands of people, which means that we're one step removed from millions of people. So what we'd like to do is the widest possible sampling of the human race about the following issue. You may have noticed the news reports last week that Proxima Centauri b, the nearest exoplanet to us, Evidently had a really bad day on March 24th of last year. Proxima Proxima Centauri is what's known as a flare star. Many red dwarfs will, from time to time, all of a sudden erupt in huge solar flares, bigger than the ones we have here on our sun, which is relatively well-behaved. Evidently, Proxima Centauri underwent one of these convulsions on that date last year. It was speculated that as it increased in brightness a thousand-fold for about 10 seconds, it surely showered the nearby planet Proxima Centauri b with um, some energetic particles. No doubt some very energetic particles. Now, we we do not know at this point whether Proxima Centauri b has a magnetic field, which may have protected it somewhat from this flare, but... but, um, It's a fact of life that most stars in the universe are red dwarfs, as far as we know. Meaning that in all likelihood, most planets in the universe are orbiting such red dwarfs. And since a lot of these are flare stars, well, it just may make it tougher for life to have formed and evolved in various locations around the universe, if it has. And we grant that the odds are that it has somewhere. And unfortunately for observers here on Earth, there are no red dwarfs visible to the naked eye. Proxima Centauri b is the closest, and it's still 11th magnitude. And by way of review, the higher the number of magnitude, the dimmer the object. First magnitude stars are the brightest in the heavens. Fifth magnitude stars are the dimmest you're likely to see, If you go to exceptionally good viewing conditions, and you have exceptionally good eyes, you might be able to get down to magnitude 6.5. Each number, from 1 to 2 to 3, etc., represents a drop in brightness by a factor of about 2.5. Now, per yours truly's back-of-the-envelope calculations, Proxima Centauri brightening 100 times would make it just visible to the naked eye. It would take it from 11th magnitude to 6th. But it got 10 times brighter than that. Meaning that, it, meaning that it got as bright as the dimmest star in the Big Dipper, or at least the seven stars that make up the familiar pot and a handle, if you know what I'm talking about. Punchline of all this is if someone was looking in the southern sky, Proxima Centauri, unfortunately, is not visible from where we live here in North America, but if someone was looking at the right spot during that 10 seconds back on March 24, 2017, I would think that Proxima Centauri would have been very visible for a good 10 seconds. So here's my question, dear listener. You know anybody that saw this? I've done a Google search and come up, uh, come up empty so far, but why don't we test the ability of Radio Parallax to go head-to-head against Google and see how we do. Anyway, if you don't think about this, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. And if anybody heard the creepy laugh from Alexa, let us know about that, too. Yeah, we were quite taken aback by the news story that said that, um, quote, over the past few days, users with Alexa-enabled devices have reported hearing strange, unprompted laughter. Amazon responded to the creepiness today in a statement to The Verge saying, we're aware of this and working to fix it. As had been noted in various media reports, Alexa seemed to start laughing without being prompted to wake. People reported on Twitter and Reddit that they thought it was an actual person laughing near them, which is certainly scary if you're home alone. Many evidently responded to the cackling sounds by unplugging their Alexa-enabled device. (laughs) Since we were so taken aback by a tech story a few weeks ago, we're going to repeat it, I think, again almost verbatim. As reported in New Scientist magazine on February 3rd, Quote, one day, smart glasses that instantly share your life on social media may be the norm. (coughs) We hope not. But if they are, and capturing your every waking move, what about those private moments you don't want recorded? Noted the magazine, one solution could be a device called Private Eye. Using AI, it automatically switches off when a camera detects a scene requiring privacy. That's the part I really like. A a second camera then starts monitoring one of the wearer's eyes by tracking 52 features including pupil diameter and blinking. The device can guess when it's safe to resume filming. We're not sure, but we think here at Radio Parallax that we have enough faith that the human race is not that stupid. But then again... (laughs) Being that Radio Parallax is now primarily based in the Bay Area, we're bombarded constantly with tech stories, usually with positive spin on it. Even when they're talking about how a business has been developed to use floor sensors to might give retails a step up. Yes, they apparently want to put sensors in the floors of establishments to see how we customers move about and then use that information to manipulate us more efficiently. We trust and hope they'll find a way to make fun of that on the upcoming season of Silicon Valley. And I'm not sure where I read this, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, somewhere, but an article about the hilarious HBO program Silicon Valley noted that it has accomplished at least one thing in the tech industry. They have made fun of Silicon Valley. They have made such ruthless fun of the Valley's tendency to promote itself by talking about how this company or that is trying to make the world a better place. That it's turned into a bit of a laugh line, and various companies are advising their employees to stop saying that they're trying to make the world a better place. So if nothing else good comes out of this program, they've at least accomplished that, we hope. Apparently the upcoming season, the 5th of this program, will commence on March 25th, Sunday evening at, I guess, 1030 it's some very smart, smart comedy. We would encourage you to think about checking it out. All right, we we've promised you about three weeks of original material. And uh, one of the things we enjoy most about our original material is uh, our weekly attempt to bring you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So today we'll try and give you a double dose All right, for this one, we're going to need some special music, Mr. McMillan. It was apparently a good week a couple weeks back for Donald Trump's base. With the news that conservative groups have blocked, blocked a bill banning child marriage in Kentucky. Under current state law, girls of any age can marry if they're marrying a man who impregnated them. A bill setting a minimum marriage age of 17 was withdrawn this week when Republicans said the Family Foundation of Kentucky objected to replacing parents with government. And the precedent that sets. All I have to say in response to that is, this river don't go to entry. And for younger listeners who perhaps have never seen the great movie Deliverance, well, the line comes from that where, uh, in the movie, uh, John Voight and Ned Beatty and Burt Reynolds were into a bit of trouble with some Appalachian rednecks. Pretty good movie. Burt Reynolds might well have gotten an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor for the, his role in that Uh except for the fact that he decided to pose nude in Cosmopolitan, which back in the day caused quite an uproar. And we're going to try to tack onto that good news item another one. And we're going to call it a good week this past week for, well, let's, call, let's say nudity. We've certainly progressed in this country from a day when Burt Reynolds could lose an Oscar by appearing nude to a point where porn star Stormy Daniels is now suing President Trump to nullify a $130,000 hush agreement about their past relationship. She argues that since he never signed it, she's not bound to it. What really intrigues people is the fact that the suit makes ominous mention of, quote, certain still images, unquote, which Trump allegedly sent her. And that's all we know. We would note that it was a bad week this past week for speedy trials. With the news that all trials got canceled in Forsyth County, North Carolina, when judges and lawyers alike showed up in court and found no jurors. Evidently, the county had failed to mail the 1,700 jury duty notices and sent deputies to a local mall in a failed attempt to find volunteers. Radio Parallax has posed the question in the past and will pose it again as to why we need jurors. In a judicial system, nations which were never part of the British Empire tend to rely upon trained legal professionals to render legal judgments, as opposed to say, Walt, your neighbor who hasn't worked for the past seven years and needs something to do. And it was also a bad week a couple weeks back. And by the way, all these items come to us today, courtesy of The Week magazine. But it was a bad week for South Carolina. Where evidently a spelling error in a proposed sagging pants law could force state residents to wear high waisted mom jeans. This bill levies fines on anyone whose pants hang more than three inches below the crest of the ilium, spelled I L E U M. The ilium, medically speaking, is part of your small intestine. Yeah, it comes after the duodenum and the jejunum. The legislators meant to refer to the hip bone or ilium, I-L-I-U-M. We would think the legislators would stop this bill and correct the spelling error before they attempted to pass it. But then again, we are talking about legislators here in South Carolina. So I guess we need to go out now with a pair of ugly... Items. We'd have to agree that it was an ugly week last week for ethnic pride after complaints about a Confederate flag being flown over a Seattle house led the Norwegian-American owner to explain that it was a Norwegian flag he was flying for the Olympics. It was noted that like the Confederate battle flag, Norway's flag features a blue and white cross on a red background, but the resemblance pretty much ends there. And finally, it was an ugly week a couple weeks back for the tech industry. With the news that multiple employees at Apple's new $5 billion headquarters in Cupertino, California, were treated for injuries after walking face first into its internal plate glass walls and doors. And I know that some of you probably thought it was pretty dumb for us to ask if anyone out there knows anybody who happened to spot Proxima Centauri lighting up. In march of last year but we do want to report that evidently a self-taught astronomer in argentina victor busso was out photographing stars uh, in his backyard when he saw something no one had seen before the birth of a supernova until mr busso was looking at the right place at the right time the burst of light that shines before a star explodes has only been observed in computer models So, hey, you can be looking at the right place in the the sky and see something pretty cool. And, you know, we've been trying of late to to skirt Donald Trump, but it's it's just, it's impossible. This week, he fired America's Secretary of State in a tweet. Clear evidence has now emerged of Trump going to nightclubs. I believe it was in Las Vegas where they do, um, well, let's just say raunchy things. Dana Milbach writing in the Washington Post said that in any normal administration, the revelations coming out of of the White House would be a Category 5 hurricane. Former Playboy model Karen McDougal evidently had a nine-month affair with Donald Trump back in 2006, just months after his wife Melania gave birth to their son. This is according to a handwritten account from the time obtained by The New Yorker. In 2016, McDougal sold the rights to her story to American Media Inc. for $150,000. They published such things as the National Enquirer. And owner, David Pecker, buried the story as a favor to then-presidential candidate Trump. This is causing people to wonder about the most salacious uh, items in the steel dossier, which were that Trump had three Russian prostitutes purportedly urinate onto a Moscow hotel room bed that had previously been occupied by... Michelle Obama, you know what we're going to have a lot more to say about the Steele dossier in uh, our second segment today. There's a wonderful article in the current issue of The New Yorker by Jane Meyer about Steele and his dossier and um well, it's worth spending some time on. We will do that. It should be noted that uh, the State Department, whose main man, Tillerson, just got fired has yet to spend a single dollar of the $120 million it was granted over a year ago to prevent foreign countries from meddling in U.S. elections. Evidently, Admiral Michael Rogers, head of the U.S. Cyber Command, told lawmakers he has not been granted the authority from President Trump to confront Russian cyber operators and that U.S. inaction has likely emboldened Moscow to attempt further meddling. And how about a Russian dissident? Well, a Russian spy, evidently, who gave secrets to the West and was later swapped out for and brought to London. Uh, how, How about the fact that he and his daughter apparently were poisoned by what appears to be nerve gas manufactured in Russia? Evidently, Sergei Skripal was convicted in Russia back in 2006 for revealing Russian agents to British intelligence. He was released in 2010 in a spy swap. It is noted that during that time, Christopher Steele was working in the embassy in Moscow as a spy for MI6. I think maybe somebody's sending a message? I don't know, seems possible. People have pointed out that this case does resemble that of the Russian ex-spy Alexander Litvinenko, who died in London in 2006 after drinking tea laced with radioactive polonium. Scotland Yard said the hit was likely ordered by President Vladimir Putin. You know, we haven't done a quote of the week in a long time on this program, so I think it's time we did on today's program. And the person we're going to quote is legendary guitarist Keith Richards. Commenting in the wake of bandmate Mick Jagger (laughs) fathering his eighth child at age 74, Richards was quoted as saying, Mick's a randy old bastard. It's time for the snip. You can't be a father at that age. Those poor kids. Richards later tweeted that he deeply regretted the comments and reportedly apologized apologized face-to-face with Mick Jagger. Well, we have to say, having observed Mr. Jagger over the decades, we wonder if maybe it isn't time for the snip. And, you know, we have tried to find something nice to say about President Donald Trump, and uh, maybe we have something. Our impression at Radio Parallax is that Trump is probably the least mirthful person ever to hold high office that we know of. But reportedly, he showed up at this year's Gridiron Club and reportedly fired off some jokes, (laughs) such as starting off by apologizing for being late and saying, Jared couldn't get through security. Referring, of course, to son-in-law Jared Kushner, whose White House security clearance has just been downgraded. Trump noted that his, quote, apprentice, unquote, Vice President Mike Pence, constantly asks, has he been impeached yet? And what's described as the darkest joke of the evening, Trump alluded to the White House staff turnover and rumors that the First Lady Melania Trump is furious about his alleged infidelities. The president asked, who's going to be next to leave, Steve Miller or Melania? When the audience reportedly gasped, Trump turned to Melania and said, you love me, right? Here's a stat for today's program. Apparently so many people are moving away from the San Francisco Bay Area, largely because of soaring housing costs, that renting a U-Haul for a one-way trip from San Jose, California to Las Vegas now costs roughly $2,000 compared to just $100 for trucks going in the other direction. Wow. And another stat that we wouldn't have thought possible a few years ago Reportedly, the United States of America is likely to overtake Russia to become the world's largest oil producer by 2023. So much for all that talk of peak oil a decade ago. By then, U.S. crude production is expected to reach a record 12.1 million barrels a day, up from 10.6 million barrels a day this year. This is, according to the International Energy Agency, whoever they are, the increase is credited to the fracking boom, technological advances, and improved efficiencies. You know, we haven't talked about fracking on this show in a while. Busting through geological layers to let the gas out, it just it, it just doesn't seem like a good idea, but we'll talk about that some other day, presumably. All right, in the three minutes or so we have left, we want to um, give credit where credit is due to our cousins, the Neanderthals. It turns out that the first examples of cave art have now been discovered and dated to 64,000 years ago in Spain, which means the artists were not homo sapiens, but rather homo neanderthalis. I think that's right. We do know that Neanderthals got to Europe 20,000 years before the first modern humans, of course, the fact of the matter is that most of us carry 2% Neanderthal genes among our genetic codes, so all of us are part Neanderthals, and I guess all of us can take credit for the cave art in Spain that's 64,000 years old. For his part, Mr. Millen says he's refusing to go along with any credit like that that's, you know, so shaky. Well, at least until he's seen the paintings. And speaking of homo sapiens, as we are, The discovery of a prehistoric jawbone in Israel has added to a growing body of research challenging the long-held theory that modern humans migrated out of Africa about 60,000 years ago. Using three different dating techniques, researchers at Tel Aviv University determined that the prehistoric jawbone is between 177 and 194,000 years old, nearly twice as ancient as previous Homo sapiens remains discovered outside Africa i trying to remember what I was taught back in anthropology. I thought modern humans only emerged 100,000 years ago. I guess they've been around at least twice as long as that. At least in Israel. All right, for our final item, we would note that Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. He thinks we can get there by early 2019. And no, we do not know whether Mr. Musk has been smoking some funny cigarettes. Now, we're intrigued by the idea of going to Mars, and we're rooting for Mr. Musk and a lot of his endeavors. But Elon, in this case, you can't just put a dummy in a Tesla Roadster and shoot him off at the Angry Red Planet. It takes six months to get there, and you've got to have a rocket to do it, and it's 2018. We would not want to bet against Mr. Musk being able to come up with a heavy-lifting rocket to do this, but we're pretty sure he's not going to do it by July. All right, we've got to take a break. Let's do that and use that as an excuse to play more music from The Ventures. In this case, how about... Perfidia.